0: Welcome to The Long Box of Darkness, a podcast looking at horror in comic book form. I'm your host, Herman Lowe. Join me as we take a peek inside The Long Box of Darkness. Greetings listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the Long Box of Darkness once again. It's been ages, I know, but I've decided to cobble uh, another episode together. Possibly more than one. Possibly a few. (laughs) That's right, there are a couple of Long Box of Darkness episodes in the can. This is the first of those. Prelude to episode 16. And uh, this time I'm focusing on a very specific topic, we'll get to that as the show progresses. But uh, I just want to apologize to all my listeners for the long hiatus of the show. It's been almost three or three and a half months since the last time I recorded a long Box of Darkness um, episode and that's just because of some personal issues but also because of time constraints Um, All of that is in the past now. I do have a lot more time on my hands. Morning's free, evening's free. Um, I work in the afternoons now, so lots of time to record. And I'll be using that time, hopefully productively, at least where horror is concerned. So today we're focusing on a special Prelude episode. I've done some in the past. Specifically today I'll be looking at EC Comics again. Leading up to our next episode discussion, Uh, this comic will briefly introduce the topic which I will be looking at. And it is specifically one of my favorite monsters in the horror genre. Other than Swamp Creatures, which is my absolute favorite, um, secondly, I would have to go for Werewolves. I'm a huge fan of Werewolves. Uh, Lon Chaney's Wolfman, uh, Lon Chaney Jr., I I should say, And then all the subsequent werewolf movies I've watched. Some were terrible, but I still enjoyed them. I'm kind of one of those guys who enjoy bad horror movies as well as good. Uh, But I do have some taste. Of course, there are some things I won't watch. But when it comes to werewolves, I pretty much try to watch everything that's out there. But during the next show, I'll give you a better rundown on all of the werewolf movies that have influenced me. We'll also discuss a very specific comic which is, for me, revolutionary in the werewolf genre. But for today, we're just doing a bit of a prelude to that. So I've picked this tale from EC Comics' Tales from the Crypt, number 35. Um, It had recently become Tales from the Crypt. It used to be called the Crypt of Terror back then. And this specific issue, issue number 35, was published in 1953 from... Uh, April to May of 1953, to be specific. And the story I've picked is a tale of lycanthropy called By the Fright of the Silvery Moon. Listeners, you might hear a dog barking in the background. That's mine. He really wants to be part of this podcast, but I've decided to leave that in. He's a wannabe werewolf. All right, I'll start with the specifics. Written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein. Penciled by Jack Davis. Cover by Jack Davis and Marie Severin. With colors by Marie Severin as well for the interiors. This was the first tale in this issue. By the Fright of the Silvery Moon. And probably features some of Jack Davis's most iconic EC horror art, at least in my mind. And um, I'll start with the synopsis. All right, hold on to your britches, because here we go. Hungarian farmer Alec Gedra lives with his sons Peter and Edward on a farm in rural America, a farm they purchased barely a year ago with money Alec saved while toiling in the old country. One fateful morning, the calm tranquility of agrarian life, is disturbed by Edward's yells as he runs from the nearby woods, calling madly for his father and brother. He had found the body of a man in the woods, a man horribly mutilated by some savage beast. Father Alec quickly surmises that since there are no wild animals in the vicinity, that this must be the work of a werewolf. The boys appear incredulous, but Alec explains that werewolves were quite common in Hungary and that he's seen their handiwork before. After notifying the local constabulary, Alec urges the boys not to tell the sheriff or the townsfolk about their werewolf theory, as they might be branded lunatics by the locals. Young Edward, however, is cursed with a loquacious nature and proceeds to tell the rubberneckers and neighboring farmers accompanying the sheriff's entourage that it was indeed a werewolf. No one takes him seriously, except for the sheriff, who decides to do some research. Consulting an almanac, the portly sheriff learns that there was a full moon in the sky last night, which gives a bit more credence to Edward's wild story. The paunchy lawman then goes on to the town library, where he furthers his investigation by checking out a book on lycanthropy. Suffice it to say, his suspicions have been aroused. A month passes, and the morning after the next full moon, another freshly gnawed human corpse is discovered. A mob, led by the sheriff, approaches the Gerda farm that very night, accusing Alec Gerda of being the werewolf. His protests mean nothing to them as he is subjected to mob justice and shot through the heart with a newly forged silver bullet in front of his two horrified sons. Intent on avenging their father, the two traumatized brothers decide that the werewolf is to blame for his death. Using their father's tools, they fashion two deadly slingshots and silver dollars with razor sharp edges. On the night of the next full moon, they go monster hunting. The boys soon become separated while stumbling through the woods. Then, Peter suddenly hears a blood-curdling scream, rushing towards the sounds of murder, fearing for his brother Edward's life. He happens upon a grisly scene, a werewolf standing over a body torn to shreds. The wolfman spots Peter and attacks, only to be shot through the throat by a deadly silver dollar from Peter's slingshot. As the wolfman chokes and dies, he slowly transforms back into the man he once was. Man? No. More like a boy. A boy with the face of Edward. So that's it, listeners, a rough synopsis of the story. It's a great tale, one of my favorites from the old EC stable, and uh, definitely features some of Jack Davis's most iconic and brilliant, if I dare say so, work. Um, He had been working for EC for three years at this point in time, but um, he was in full control of his artistic faculties and and he was turning out page after page of jaw-dropping interiors. On a weekly basis, so uh, this is him in full control of um, his genius, and um, there are a couple of great images here that have become sort of synonymous with EC um, and their legendary status over the years. There's the first image of a werewolf on the on page. I think it's the first page. Yeah, it's the first page of the comic book where you see the Crypt Keeper petting this werewolf sitting um, on his haunches below the Crypt Keeper. And the Crypt Keeper is sitting on some kind of a rock with uh, with bags of silver dollars behind him, or so he says. <laughs> and then this werewolf is like just sitting there like a little dog being petted by the Crypt Keeper. And his tongue is lolling and he looks content. And the Crypt Keeper is uh, giving his trademark introduction saying, Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, friends. Welcome once again to the Crypt of Terror. This is your host in Howells, the Crypt Keeper, ready to narrate another nauseating tale from my collection. So come on in. Sit down on that sack of silver dollars there and I'll begin. This story happens to be about a young chap named Peter. It's in his very own words. I'll tell it to you the way he told it to me. He calls the spine-tingling hair standing blood freezer... By the fright of the silvery moon. So that's the introduction from The Crypt Keeper. And then we proceed with the tale. Now, I've already given you the story. There are a couple of things I want to mention, though. Um, Some wild uh, leaps in logic from this story. But um, since it's EC, it's forgivable. Because, you know, it's all about the, the madness here, the craziness of comics. And that's what I love about it. So... First off, once they discover the body in the woods from the uh, it, during the first two pages, you get the dad immediately intuiting that this attack, this murder, was done by a werewolf, and the boys obviously cannot believe that. But the dad says, "No, no, no, Hungary, you know, is a country that's rife with werewolves. So he's seen, you know, what they can do to a person. So it's definitely a werewolf, but they should be cautious because in America." um in the new world people don't believe in that kind of thing (laughs) and then the sheriff interviews the dad alec and um it turns out that the sheriff doesn't really believe it when the dad says no i i don't know what happened i don't have any theories sheriff as to who might have done that or what kind of animal it was and then the sheriff immediately latches on to the explanation provided by the boys to the local onlookers that you know it might be a werewolf so the sheriff he quickly believes or he jumps to conclusions or he's apt to believe just, just any wild tale told by two possibly uh, shell-shocked boys. <laughs> and then he starts doing his research. And, and this sheriff, man, he's, he's a piece of work. He's this um, overweight, country bumpkin, unkempt kind of sheriff uh, permanently um, sporting a cigar drooping from his lips, and he's unshaven at all times. His hair is a mess. He looks dirty. But um, he has the shrewd and cunning look in his eyes that Jack Davis was so good at illustrating in his characters. So he does his research, goes to the library, and he looks so out of place in the library. That's (laughs) one of the best panels. He takes off his hat and talks to this old uh, matronly-like lady, the, the librarian, and He looks all respectful, but he's still got his cigar hanging from his mouth. (laughs) And this lady's going through the library cards looking for the book on werewolves that the sheriff's looking for. And then another uh, iconic Jack Davis panel is on the bottom right of page five of this issue of Tales of the Crypt where we see the sheriff and his cronies grabbing uh, Alec Gerda when they accuse him of being the werewolf. And this image of This wild-eyed lawman grabbing this man who looks fearful uh, with this light shining above them. The light from from the the Gerda's living room. It's just amazing. This image has been used and reprinted uh, on Image Comics uh, collections and covers and Jack Davis um, art collections for years. So I'll post some of these images on uh, the blog longboxofdarkness.com then you can see what I'm talking about it's really really brilliant and then another thing that really disturbed me but it's probably not too far from from the way things happened back then was I mean this is 1953 presumably when the comic book was written so the story possibly also also takes place during this time you have the, the mob just grabbing Peter Gerda taking him out to the front lawn right outside his house and shooting him with a silver bullet that they cast just for this occasion, uh, right in front of his boys, without worrying about the psychological effects this might have on two 12 year olds. Or, well, I think the one brother's a year older than the other. They never really mentioned that, but he looks older. Uh, Peter looks a little bit older than Edward. So, point uh, being that uh, this is quite disturbing, but, you know, there were a lot of lynchings, especially, you know, way back when in the the 20s and 30s, and I wouldn't have expected this of the 50s, but of course, stuff like that did still happen, not just in the States, everywhere. And um, yeah, mob justice enacted brutally and efficiently, you know, without any court or any trial, dad's dead. So (laughs) that really disturbed me. It's a bit of a leap, but uh, not too far from what could have happened. And then the next part that's quite brilliant, but also a little bit strange as the boys start to fashion slingshots. Typical kids' weapons, kids' toys, reminiscent of um, what Stephen King later on uh, did in um, It and uh, Cycle of the Werewolf. Kids setting out to hunt a monster, and they're collecting their talismans, their totems, their objects of power. Same with these two boys, Peter and Edward Gerda. They uh, make the slingshots, they take their silver dollars and and they make their plans and they set out during the next full moon with their slingshots in hand and go hunting in the woods. And that's when we get the trademark EC twist where it turns out that the werewolf was Peter's brother, Edward, all along. Uh, so we never get any inkling of who the victim was that the werewolf was mauling at the time when uh, Peter found him. But at that point, At that very instant, of course, uh, Peter thought that it was Edward lying there uh, in the grass as Jack Davis drew it with this werewolf straddling him, blood dripping from his jowls and from his claws. Now, the werewolf is dressed in clothes, but since it was dark at night, you probably couldn't expect Peter to recognize that it was his brother's clothes. And he only does that after he kills the werewolf with a lucky shot. This is some real David and Goliath. Goliath shit here because he shoots and um, the silver dollar enters the werewolf's mouth and then presumably somehow ricochets down in and destroys his esophagus and basically that that is what kills him. Or he even chokes on the silver dollar. We won't know for sure. But then he uh, becomes Edward again. He reverts to human form and that's when Peter... Sees and understands the truth, and he's racked with guilt, but also with sorrow. And then, at the very end, you have the crypt keepter, uh, keeper uh, finishing the story off with some trademark humor, saying, "Eh, hey, hey, yep, kiddies, young Edward was the werewolf all along. Only he didn't even know it. And that's the story the way Peter Gerda told it to me. Yep, that night, he and Edward did clear their father's name. Messed up Edward's though. Oh, by the way." Peter's given me a nice Hungarian recipe. I think I'll turn it over to the old witch. It's for Hungarian goulash. (laughs) See you later. The vault keeper awaits. So goulash, Hungarian goulash, spelt with a (laughs) G-H-O-U-L. So a classic tale from EC um, by Al Falstein, Bill Gaines, and of course... drawn uh, drawn it by the great, the amazing Jack Davis. So I'd recommend anybody who wants to read this to pick it up. You can get get it digitally. Um, I think it's in the Tales of the Crypt, um, Volume 4. Or you can buy the hardcover edition from Dark Horse Comics. Um, The tale is also reprinted in some of Fantagraphics' black and white reprints of the EC Master series. Um, the hardcovers they've got collecting the best of the EC artists. And um, it's worth it, trust me. A great tale. Um, A lot of criticism has been leveled towards Dark Horse's digital recoloring of the old EC comics, but you must remember that the coloring was limited back then um, when Marie Severin was doing the coloring. And even though she's a legend, I think they'd they'd made the right choice in recoloring these tails because I think the recoloring is done by a guy called Carlos Badilla. And he's been getting a lot of flack for his recoloring. But if you compare online the originals to the recolored um, versions, I'd say digitally these recolored versions look amazing. Uh, Dark Horse, they really don't skimp when it comes to quality. Um, nice glossy paper, thick uh, paper stock, uh, beautiful hardcovers, oversized in most cases. And um, I'd suggest you read it in print if you can. But if that's too expensive for you, the digital editions are normally cheaper. You might even want to wait for a sale. As I say, I will post some images online on my blog, uh, longboxofdarkness.com, and then you can check out what I've been talking about. But First, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then I'll be back with a bit of a Jack Davis biography for any of you who are more interested in the man behind the legend. So stay tuned.
1: Hi, heroes. This is Stanley. You know, this is a really special tape that we're making now. The word legend has been so misused in our industry and in so many, but I've got to tell you that I am sitting here today with two genuine, certifiable legends, not only of the comic book industry, but of the art field and the literary field in general. And without any further ado, because I don't have too much ado to waste, let me introduce you to Harvey Kurtzman and Jack Davis. And of... I guess with all the people that know what I do is probably for MAD and for the Crypt Keeper. And uh, that's me, myself, with a, a jug, which I love to, you know, have a little uh, beer once in a while. Uh, <laughs> once in a One while. would never suspect. And I love the South, and I love to play golf. I'm not a good golfer, but I enjoy playing. And that's about it with me. I, I think uh, what happened... Not uh, MAD, but the no, EC uh, magazine. EC, I think... Uh, um, um al uh Felstein. Mm-hmm. he uh originated these three witches and there were three uh, um uh comic books one was a horror of crypt uh, keeper and the vault of horror and the old witch and al Felstein drew the original uh character for each book and then we sort of put our own thing into it you and did it good i always think of you in terms frightening of creepy stuff. frightening witches well, was, and so forth uh, and i didn't realize at the time you know what it would uh, what an impact it would have and that's when mm-hmm. they had all of the investigations you know and there's, there's yeah i always Washington. felt you single-handedly almost put a whole industry out of business Probably you did. remember I, all it was of that yeah. yeah and then it went from the yeah. ec magazines the horror books and so forth and we all end you all ended up yeah, with the, mad magazines yeah, well, they, right. they said uh, we should come out with you know the different titles something that's clean good, and good, and they said, why not come out with a comic book, a funny book? So that yeah. was mad. And how the name came about, I don't know. But Well, Harvey, you ought to have some been. idea about
0: Jack Davis. Wow. As I've said before many times, uh, what a legend. Probably one of the three greatest American cartoonists of all time. I reckon him right up there with Will Eisner, Jack Kirby, and possibly Wally Wood. Okay, let's extend that list to four. <laughs> four of the greatest. Um, that's on my Mount Rushmore of classic artists. Not all of them did horror but Jack Davis did quite a lot. And of course, like he himself said in this audio excerpt we listened to, people remember him from his Mad Magazine work, but actually he was very prolific for about five years during his tenure at EC. So I did read a lot of Mad. I've got quite a history with Jack because... Um, it turns out that he's my dad's favorite cartoonist. My dad was a huge Mad Magazine fan. And he had stacks of Mad Magazines when I was a kid that I would browse through. And he always pointed out the art- artists, more Drucker, Angelo Torres, Dave Berg, and the like. But when he happened upon a panel or a TV parody or a movie parody drawn by or drawn it by Jack... His eyes would get all misty and you could see he was thinking back on all the Jack Davis art he had seen in his life and that he had loved. And Jack was pretty special to my dad, not just because he loved his art, but because he was an inspiration to him. Yeah, that's right. My dad, when he was young, he wanted to be a commercial artist. And in fact, he did go into commercial art for a couple of years. And then he found out he had a knack for teaching and he became an art teacher so, Jack Davis was more than just somebody that my dad enjoyed reading. He was an actual inspiration to him. So, because of that, you know, Jack also holds a place in my heart. I love the guy's art. I, one of the things I remember that I, well, one of the first things of Jack's that I saw as a kid in Mad Magazine was his parody of Poltergeist. <laughs> Oh, that was a classic. The way he used to draw um, Carol Ann and the, the, the poltergeist and the entity. Um, and also the rest of the family. Very distinct. Very unique. There's nobody quite like Jack Davis when it comes to drawing characters of people. But I'm just going to give a brief overview of his uh, life and career. Unfortunately, Jack uh, passed away in 2016. Um, at the age of 87 and um, he left behind two kids and uh, his wife I think she already passed away before him but um, what a legacy he left behind living at that ripe old age and still drawing right up until the end so um, basically This is what I managed to dredge up on old Jack and his history. He was born in Atlanta, Georgia, on December the 2nd, 1924. And um, as a kid, he said, uh, apart from drawing, he was really uninterested in school. He really didn't like going to class and doing homework and stuff. But he excelled in art from a very early age. And he taught himself drawing from, from life by observing people and um, pictures that he had managed to get from newspapers or magazines. And um, he uh, graduated from high school and then he was drafted into the Navy in 1943. And after that, he was conscripted to draw some comic strips for a weekly uh, newspaper at an army base. And then he managed to land a gig as an art assistant to a guy called Ed Dodd. Um, who worked on a comic strip called Mark Trail. And uh, Dodd told him he was very good, and that increased his confidence, and eventually he um, also got married to his wife, Dina Rockmore, and that was in 1950, and then he moved to New York, where he decided to seriously pursue a career as an artist. And um, it was at least the third publisher he visited when he finally uh, happened upon a job, and that publisher ha- turned out to be E.C. Comics. He went in, showed them his portfolio, and he walked out with a script that he had to do over the weekend and return on Monday, which he did, and um, editor Al Feldstein at the time thought that the Skyjack really had something, a very um, unorthodox but very special style that readers would come to love. And then within the next uh, five years, his output of horror for EC was so prolific. He drew for the Vault of Horror, for Tales from the Crypt, for The Haunt of Fear. He also drew some of their mystery comics, their war comics, and also their um, romance comics, and basically everything all across the board. But his main assignments came from the horror editors at EC. So, in the five years that he worked there, he managed to turn out more than 500 pages, which is a staggering amount. Um, He could do drama, he could do horror, basically everything that you could think of. They they didn't relegate him to a single uh, subgenre or genre, uh, but gave him everything to draw. And he was also fast, he could draw very quickly. And then, of course, in 1956, um, he started drawing for Mad as well. Um, and he kept drawing for Mad until 1965. And then from 1965 onwards, he had a breakthrough. He became um, nationally acclaimed in the States uh, because he drew posters. And uh, for things like Stanley Kramer's comedy, extravaganza, it's a mad, mad, mad world. And um, he also drew caricatures of famous celebrities and so forth. And he became one of the most popular commercial artists in uh, the USA at that time. He also contributed to the TV Guide, to Esquire, to Life magazine, and of course, even to Time magazine. He did 26 covers from them uh, for them between 1972 and 1976. So uh, Jack continued to draw for Mad um, and well up into the 80s. And eventually semi-retired, but he still kept doing some drawings and uh, kept drawing uh, some uh, things for his alma mater, uh, Georgia University. And um, sadly passed away from a stroke at the age of 87, but we will always have his art. That's the nice thing about having these folks that you admire who are artists or musicians or uh, the creatives in their fields you have their stuff to remember them by and jack will definitely left us with a whole bunch of things to look at and appreciate so that's our uh, rundown of jack's biography um, i hope you enjoyed that listeners it was very informative for me researching it uh, i had forgotten most of the stuff because truth to tell i didn't look i haven't been looking at any old EC comics lately, at least for a year. The last time I I did uh, read some EC was about a year and a half ago when I finished reading all my EC editions. And now I'm anchoring to reread them because after I uh, started reading some EC again about a week ago, I suddenly felt the urge to uh, do a deep dive into those classic comics once more. One final thing I want to mention about Jack Davis and this is just speculation on my part Uh, maybe one of the listeners out there would be able to correct me on this or maybe it's known or unknown I'm not sure but um, horror director John Carpenter is a huge fan of EC Comics he read them as a young man and as a kid and he loved them and they definitely influenced his movies like The Thing and They Live and to an extent probably Halloween as well there was a there were quite a few slasher uh tales told in the EC Comics horror um issues, but what I'm getting at, listeners, is that uh Jack Davis his full name is Jack Burton Davis. Now, if you take away the Davis, you might recognise the name of Jack Burton, one of John Carpenter's most iconic and eclectic characters that he created for the movie Big Trouble in Little China. The character was played by, of course, Kurt Kurt Russell and is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. (laughs) I'm a huge BT and LC fan. But could it be that John Carpenter took the name of Jack Burton from Jack Davis, from Jack Burton Davis? I'm not sure. If I ever get to interview John Carpenter which would be any day soon. (laughs) I'm joking on that one. I'll be sure to ask him to find out, you know, if that has anything at all to do with Jack Davis. All right, listeners, that's it for this week's short Prelude show, but um, we'll be back with a full-length episode 16 um, in a couple of days' time. Until then, lock your doors, shut your windows, and don't go out at night especially during a full moon so if you want to send any feedback listeners please do so you can send messages or even audio files to darklongbox at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at darklongbox or at into weird which is the twitter handle for my other show into the weird a podcast chronicling the bronze age of marvel comics Um, feedback's always appreciated so tell me what you think suggestions or criticism I don't mind anything's welcome take care of yourselves and until we meet again this is Herman Lowe signing off for the long box of darkness pleasant screams and good night